Welcome, everybody, to another podcast here at ILC. Uh, I'm your host, Brother Danny Torado, and we uh, today I have Brother Lee with me. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here. And uh, it's good to be back after so long. Uh, we haven't had a podcast for a while, but uh, to come back, we actually have a very special guest. Uh, we have our very own Pastor Joel Booker. Pastor? Hello, everybody. Good to be with you. All right. And uh, we have a few questions for, for Pastor today, and uh, we're just going to pick his brain and see what, see what he has to say. Brother Lee? Yeah, I'm excited, you know, and, and I feel almost a little bit embarrassed that we haven't had our pastor on here. Yeah. He's, a, he's a busy man, and uh, but we're excited to have him here, and hopefully this will be uh, the first of maybe several um, uh, other future podcasts with him. Um, anyway, we love our pastor, and we're excited to be here in the studio with him. And we're just going to have a casual conversation, just have some fun today, and just kind of talk a little bit of uh, a little bit of time with our pastor. So why don't why don't we get going with? Um, Maybe describing, um, Pastor, some of your key moments in the past, maybe some positions you've had, and just kind of give us your life history in about two minutes or, <laughs> or more. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you to you guys for uh, putting this together in the previous podcast. Uh, you do an awesome job, and we're glad to be here, glad to be a part of this. And uh, so um, I have been... Uh, Due to my uh, parents and their involvement in ministry, been involved in ministry all of my life. And uh, just to give you a brief history, I can probably do it in less than two minutes. Um, my my dad came to the Lord in Oklahoma and uh, married my mom. It was there that I was born. And uh, my earliest memories are of a pastorate uh, that my uh, dad had in Miami, Oklahoma. Not to be confused with Miami, Florida, big difference. Okay. And uh, he was there for four years, and uh, we moved from there, uh, or they moved into evangelism, traveled for three years, and traveled across the United States. Um, and somewhere in there, I think about the last two years of that three-year stint, uh, we were in California. He then, uh, my mom and dad took a, uh, a church in Aurora Grande, uh, California, and uh, were there for 12 years. That's where, so I was seven when we got there, 19 when we left, and that's where I began ministry. Um, and so I guess I could say safely that I have been involved in every, just about every aspect of ministry. Um, from I mowed the church lawn, okay. I locked up the church, I taught at the Christian school, I taught in Sunday school, um, youth pastor um, in uh, music, was in the choir, um, even played the drums. I guess every Pentecostal kid has to take a whack at that. <laughs> okay. And um, then moved into, um, when I was 19, that's when I began preaching, and um, uh, at least as far as preaching out um, of the local church. And uh, when I was 19 at that same time, we actually moved over into um, the uh, we moved down here to Southern California to uh, Rialto in the Lighthouse Church. And uh, so it was there, became the youth pastor here, assistant pastor, and um, so privileged in 2016. It's been five years. Wow. I was officially um, installed as pastor with my dad um, as bishop. And um, that's been a special, special time of my life. Uh, working along with him in this great church. And so there's been other positions and so on we've held with organization and uh, with the, the WPF and so on. But that's that's a kind of a brief overview okay, good. of ministry there. Yeah, I was, I was trying to remember. Um, so my wife and I, so you were 19. Yes. Okay, because we, we we came here, we were here the first service of 1997. I remember this. And we walked in and, and met your dad and then... Uh, uh, told him who we were, and I guess he somebody from my prior church. We got their blessings to come down. It was a job change that got us down here, and uh, he asked if we wanted to go to lunch that day. And 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 he, so I was wondering because I, I I didn't know if we were still a teenager. I knew Larry was, oh, yeah. um, brother Larry and and Philip probably were, but yeah, that was a, was a little while ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yes, <laughs> twenty twenty four years, yeah. I think. Right? Wow. So anyway, that's exciting. Um, so you were seven, I, I guess. You, I think you said when you. Moved to California, roughly. Right. Um, so when, when, about what time did you did you feel the call to preach? Sure, that's an interesting question, and um, so there's there's kind of two parts to that. I 
I think as a child, you know, first of all, if your dad's a preacher, and maybe if your dad's not a preacher, the question gets often asked a lot. Do you think you'll be a preacher when you grow up? And my answer always was no. <laughs> it was no. But in the back of my mind, I've always, I just as long as I could ever really um, uh, ever really think in those terms, I, I just couldn't envision myself doing anything else. And um, I, I had goals. If I was asked, I'd say I want to be an architect. I went through an engineering phase, which is interesting because I'm, I'm the most mechanically inept human being you'll ever meet. <laughs> so I don't know where that engineering thing came from. Um, but in my mind, I always just knew. I don't know how else to describe it. And uh, as far as a specific moment that I recognized the call, I was at a, um, a Western District senior camp in Santa Maria. And uh, Mark Morgan was the, the camp evangelist. And um, it was powerful. I remember the every night was powerful. But I remember a particular night, in, he, he really was preaching. And he ended with a call, an altar call that was different. He said, if you feel like you're you're called to preach, and you recognize you're called to preach, I'm asking you to come uh, come to the front. Well, I'm telling you, I, I was so skittish. I had never <laughs> with my mouth said it. And I sat there, and I knew, though, I was afraid to go because I didn't want to miss it, but I knew that I would grieve God if I stayed in my seat. Mm -hmm. So there was about 600 young people there, about half were guys. Well, apparently, everybody there, every young man, with the exception of two, we're called to preach. Okay. <laughs> so all 300 of us were those to... two named Larry and. Yeah, yeah, Larry. So, <laughs> okay. All right. right. Just, just curious. Actually, one of them is one of my best friends, and he is preaching today, ironically. So, um, but I went to the altar and I prayed and I said, God, I'm terrified because I don't, I don't take this lightly. And um, I said, you're going to have to let me know for sure. And this is what I did. I fleeced God. I said, God, and this is a funny story I'm about to tell you, <laughs> a little uh, teaching moment. I said, uh, uh, God, if you're in this, I want you to speak to my father. When I get home, I want him to approach me about this. I want him to confirm it. So got up out of the, the altar call, long, special altar call. And uh, the, the camp principal, Brother Phil White, came up to me and he said, hey, I saw you go down there. I want you to preach tomorrow night or tomorrow, tomorrow during the <laughs> wow. day. And I said, no way. <laughs> there ain't no way. And he really twisted my heart. I, I, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt. I'm sorry. How old were you right then? Well, this time I was probably 15 or 16. Okay. okay. And um, so I finally got out of it with, he, he said, the only way I'll let you out of it is if you promise that next senior camp, the year from okay. then. Uh, that you'll preach. Well, I'd, I'd promise anything at that point to get out of preaching the next day. <laughs> so, so I left, went home, and I kind of like was following my dad around. <laughs> like, God, you got to talk if this is you. Well, I was riding with my dad in the car a day or so later, and, and finally I said, hey, Dad. He said, what? Um, got anything to tell me? <laughs> okay. He said, I said, I've been talking to you. He said, not really, son. And I started crying. I said, Dad, I, I explained, went through the whole story. And he said, son, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> he put his hand on me. And he said, I'm going to tell you, you got to be careful of fleecing God. Hmm. He said, it, it works. He said, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of times that's a lack of faith. It's you hmm. trying to put on God what should be your, your faith. And he said, son, I, I know the hand of God's on you. The call's been on you. I've known it all your life, really. And wow. I'm not a bit surprised. And well, God has since confirmed it many times. There's some specific moments I could talk about. But that was that's kind of how it, it developed with me. Mm -hmm. And wow, I know with great. everyone it's a it's different. So. Well, I always like, and you can correct me if I don't quite get it right. I think your your dad or Somebody says that uh, the two most miserable people in the world are what? Go ahead, finish. You know what I'm going to say? Yes. Somebody that is called that's not fulfilling their call to preach, and somebody that's not called that's trying to be a preacher. And that, and that latter is the worst because yeah. you're taking possibly yes. other people down with you if, if it doesn't right. go right. So, wow. I heard Jonathan Alviar just recently, my dad told me what he said. He said, either you're called or you're crazy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, yes, sir. 
Well, we're, we're so excited and blessed for all these years uh, that you obeyed that calling. So we appreciate that. <clears throat> um, this next one, I want to get into, uh, I know, okay, so when you first came over, and, and from, from my little background, and we, we actually, my wife and I weren't in church, uh, hadn't been in church. We're pretty much new converts when we, when we moved down here. We didn't know the Bookers, hadn't heard of, of uh, Bishop Larry Booker. And uh, so we came into the church, and, and uh, I believe, I don't think you were Bible quizzing right then and there, and it's leading into my next question here. But I think you were maybe coaching. I think maybe Larry and, yeah. and Brother Philip were still kind of doing it. But anyway, right. so obviously you you and 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 it's evident in your preaching and whatever. And I and I sit here and I think and um, Danny, we were talking and um, I think somewhere recent, like what are some regrets? And maybe it was my premarital counseling training I was doing or something. But anyway, yeah. what are some disappointments you had in your life? And my my biggest one right. is not getting into church sooner. I was 33 years old. Sure. You know, you can do a lot of damage in 33 years not living for God. Um, but anyway, so Bible quiz, I sit there and I think, uh, wow, what if I'd have been a Bible quizzer at six, seven, eight years old? And I'm sure you started probably back then. But anyway, so it kind of leads into the scriptures. What are some of your favorite books of the Bible? And maybe tell us why. Sure. That's a great, great question. Um, you know, I, 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 um, I'm embarrassed to say I do have some books in the Bible. I don't know if they're my favorite, but I, I almost have to be careful. Um, so often, even whether preaching or studying, I'll just kind of uh, drift back to them. And uh, one of them is is the book of Genesis. One, we, and incidentally, we never did uh, do that one in Bible quizzing. But I think the uh, the beauty of the book of Genesis, of course, it's it's the first, and it's a book of firsts. And uh, I think it was Brother Mayo preaching the other night talking about um, one of the laws of preaching, the laws of hermeneutics, mm -hmm. is the, the law of first reference. That is, the first time something occurs in Scripture, it sets a precedent. Well, <laughs> everything in Genesis is precedent-setting. And so I love the book of Genesis. I just, I love it. And so that's one. And then, uh, kind of as you alluded, there are there is certainly something special about books of the Bible that I I, I studied in Bible quizzing, and um, for instance, the, the years that we gave my best effort was Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. I can't; those books are special to me. And the Book of Acts, we really put some time in that um, Pentecostal doctrine. I, I'll never forget, you know, especially that year with Galatians. Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the Pauline epistles. Um, there'd be times I'd be in my room studying. This is again as a teenager, but you're going through those verse cards. And uh, before it had been all always been a mental exercise, but somewhere in there, maybe it was just the timing. I remember it becoming a, a heart thing, and I would I would be crying as I was quoting those scriptures. Verse, you know, tears running down my face. So um, those Pauline epistles, they have a special place. Book of Acts, obviously. Um, it's hard not to uh, to love the book of Psalms, the book of Job. Um, oh, yeah. But it's a 66 books of best, you know, they're all the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. You know, uh, you, 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 I'm just going to kind of diverge. I want to get sure. back to scriptures and Bible again. But you mentioned Brother Mayo and stuff. And I will tell you, Dan, one of the things I'm thankful for, we have such a great bishop, great pastor, and the caliber of them is is this is one thing that I find is is so neat is um, the the because they're so good we get other great preachers in here quite oh, yeah. often we were blessed we as a church blessed. you know I mean I just sit here and, and so thankful you look at I don't want to start naming some of the you know um, uh, pastors and people that have come through and and I've been able to listen to over the years but it's just been you know we just been excited just yeah so blessed yeah. it's awesome. Um, okay, I, I could probably guess one of the characters, outside of Jesus, of course, uh, Bible characters that maybe uh, Bishop Booker likes. He may have written a couple books about him, yeah, but I, I, <laughs> I'm just curious. So what are some of the characters of the Bible? And, and, and if you have a scripture or two that maybe stand out. Sure. Um, well, the, the Apostle Paul um, would have to be at the top of the list. If I was asked... And I hope, you know, this is kind of channeling my dad here. When I get to heaven, um, if, if, if we're thinking in these terms, I want to spend a lot of time with the Apostle Paul. Just, just if you think about what we would not know without him, we have the Gospels, but, but 
but God used him to uh, basically to extrapolate Christian theology through 14, perhaps 14 books of the of the New Testament, if he wrote the book of Hebrews. And uh, just a fascinating, what a dominant personality. Mm-hmm. I remember back in at Y2K time, remember all those lists they would do of like the top, um, the top 100 leaders of the last millennium mm-hmm. or the, you know, the top uh, inventions. Well, like one of them was the top... Um, uh, personalities, top 100 personalities of all time. And I saw several lists, and they were pretty weird and skewed because some, some of them had like Muhammad as number one. But but they would, usually the top three were like Jesus, mm-hmm. Muhammad, and then Paul. Mm-hmm. Because Christianity without Paul would have been, an, obviously God would have done it some other way, but it would have been a, a an Israel thing. Yeah. That's where it all happened. But he Anyway, it exploded through the world. So Paul would be one. Obviously, David, you alluded to that. Um, I heard one man say of David, he's just such a neat personality. He's so, I mean, he, he's got this poetic side, and then he's got this violent, giant-killing side of him. It's hard, it's hard to kind of reconcile the two. But one man said of David, he's the kind of guy that would, um, you know, he he would kill you, cut your head off, write a poem, set it to music, and play it on his harp. That's that's David. So, I would love to to spend some time with David. Um, what else? You asked about a scripture. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a Acts two thirty eight jumps to mind. Deuteronomy six four. You know, a verse that's really been rattling around in my spirit of late is Jeremiah uh, thirty three and three, and it simply says, "Call unto me, and I will answer thee." and show thee great and mighty things, and that's all good thus far, but then it says this, which thou knowest not. He's speaking to Jeremiah, but he's saying, you call and pray, I'm going to show you great things that you don't even have any any idea of. Hmm. And the reason that's so beautiful, I mean, aside from the obvious, is, man, I have seen God do some great things. Have we? You, yeah. you've seen, yeah. I'm talking to two folks. Uh, you, you've seen some unbelievable miracles in your time. But God told Jeremiah, I'm going to show you great things that you don't even think about. You haven't. There are things that has not even crossed our mind hmm. that God has in the works right now. And so, I've man, I've been holding on to that verse saying, show me those things, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know awesome. how to pray for them because I've never <laughs> thought them. I can't even fathom them. Yeah. But they're in the works. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I like science and Einstein and stuff. But one, Kind of a similar quote in or, or um, theme there sure. is he he had a quote that you know obviously he's one of the most brilliant men in the last hundred years or so yeah just come around he had a comment that said I feel real ignorant he said the more I study the more ignorant I realize I am and you think well he's a guy Nobel Prize winner and and revolution any of the major technology things that are happening that we use today a lot of it came from a lot of his ideas right. but but his thought was was and is that he, because he was so smart and he's so brilliant that he realized, wow, there's so much out there that I just don't know. I and mean, we don't, I mean, you start talking about the average person thinks they know a lot. Yeah. You start throwing stuff like quantum mechanics and gravitational lens theory and stuff like that. And they, <laughs> and they, they don't, they've never heard of that before, but Including now, me. Yeah. Yeah, and now you guys don't, you know, now you've heard that. I don't believe it. I don't know what that is either. I've just read it or right. something. <laughs> and, uh, but now that you know that that's out there, Wow, how much more don't I know? Yes. So same kind of thing, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. He's a big god. He's, He's a got big god. stuff. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> I could go on on that too. These universes. So the Big Bang. We just did a Sunday school thing yeah. talking about the Big Bang. One of the things they say, well, that proves it is that the universe is still growing. And and the scripture that we talked about the other night is is God is just you know it's the it, it's, it's increasing. It's still it's increasing. Yeah. The, yes. the end of his government. Whatever. It's just, no end. There's no end. So yeah. it's like well, the, what the guy just read the Bible and, <laughs> right. and just take the word God out and just. I'll make some yeah. theory about it or something. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, you know one thing, uh, so Bible characters, I, your dad talked to me one day, uh, um, and if we had a time machine, this, yeah. this is you know not in here, but I'm just going to throw this out. If you could go back at a time, is there? A, he, he mentioned some things that I'd like to see, yeah. but if you could go back and kind of like you know like Adventures in Odyssey, you yeah. know, we we have our own little stories we do on our kind of take on that. But if you could go back and relive some some 
um, Bible stories or something like that, or right. you know, I, I, I said her and I think and like you know, I mean, not Job got through his thing okay, but if, if you could just sit there and, yes. and you could be one of the, not one of the the, <laughs> the friends that were there, yes. but somebody said Job, don't worry, it's going to be okay, just 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 hang in there, you know. I, I'd like <laughs> to tell you, maybe you can't reveal, but if there is some kind of story or something like that, what, what, what is there yeah. one that kind of pops out that you would like to watch or be part of? Sure. Well, obviously the creation. I, I just I, how I know it was by his spoken word, but did it? How did it explode into? Mm -hmm. what, what would that be like? Can you imagine how mind-boggling? Mm -hmm. I mean, just every sense being assaulted at the same time. Um, the other is just the, some of those Old Testament miracles. The magnitude of the sun standing still. Yeah. Did it? Did it? dawn on them right away? Did they know that this was happening? How far along did it, was it two hours in before they realized? Um, the Red Sea, as a, as a kid, I've always been fascinated. I think I may have seen a picture in like a kid's, you know, illustrated Bible or something of a, of a little boy throwing a rock, like down in the Red Sea on dry land, walls of water on left and right, throwing a rock into the water. <laughs> and I've always, you know, did they see fish? What, what? Yeah. And, and then to walk through. So, the miracles of the Bible. I would, I would love to witness some of those Old Testament. Wow, yeah, yeah, just beautiful to see. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. How about uh, so? Born and raised in church. Uh, been to countless camps and meetings and churches all over. Um, and even even in, even in here, listening home. But uh, what what are so? A few, are there any messages? I, I got a terrible memory. I can't remember. I can't remember sure. what I had for breakfast. And and <laughs> and I'm, I'm terrible with titles. There's a couple messages yeah. that stand out to me, but I'm terrible. When these preachers come out and they talk about this and that, and it's like they have like hundreds of them that made an impact. And I'm yeah. like, well, okay, there's a, I can remember a couple. Just my memory's so bad. But are there a few that have stood out throughout your time that you think of made maybe made an impact in your life or just was critical at the sure. time or something? Yeah, there there is. Um, uh, the top of the list would be a bunch that my dad preached. Mm -hmm. And uh, I imagine we'll talk more about him here in a bit. But when I think about, honestly, my the, my formation, my life, when, when, you, when you hear me preach, um, these are people that you're hearing preach. These are messages that you're hearing. They're, they're part of me now. And in fact, I have a friend, Brother Nathan Morton, pastors up in Chico, California. He preaches a message at his home church. Um, something It's titled something like, Preachers You Hear When Your Pastor Preaches. And he's talking about those that have really influenced him. So top of the list, my dad, I think of uh, messages like teaching angels. If you ever hear that message, you'll never forget it. <laughs> it's just unreal. Uh, crazy like a fox. Um, you just never know based on his testimony. Um, uh, only a passion can conquer a passion. Mm. Being set free from what's in it for me. What a difference a line can make, wow. which is the basis for the book. Um, those are like formational messages in my life uh, from my dad. And there's many more. And, I, and I'm pretty bad about titles myself. Mm -hmm. I really am. But those, those I've heard multiple times, and they've somewhere just, they're mm -hmm. part of me. Um, there's other, I'm a t here's a couple, here's a few. I, I, uh, I will never forget um, a message that my uncle, Brother Gary Howard, preached at PSR years ago in pursuit of spiritual excellence. Mm -hmm. he, he began the, the service. You gotta, there was probably 4,000 people there. People got there very early for seats. And he actually cleared out the front two rows of the whole, or maybe more than that, across the, the arena for young ministers and their family to come. I was single and uh, I made my way up there and he preached that message. And anybody that was there will never forget if they had any kind of spiritual awareness, that message. And it was, it was essentially, it's time to chase down God. It's mm -hmm. time to pursue him spiritually. And, and and pursue excellence. He deserves the best. I'll never forget that. Um, Jonathan Alviar preached a message. In fact, um, in my desk in my office, there's that there's a cassette. I don't even have anything to play it on, but I got the cassette. <laughs> it's a PSR uh, tape, Brother Jonathan Alviar preaching in his presence. Hmm. And in that message, he just talked about among a, the beauty of the presence and the glory of God. 
And I, I, I guess the thing that I, I'll never be the same. Just, I, you know, I, I want to be in that place. I want to be in his presence. Um, a couple others, Randy Key's messages. He, he'd preach in per, uh, messages like, uh, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Um, he talked about um, God has favorites. I'm just, ah, mm -hmm. I love those messages. You know, uh, we'd just gotten into PSR when we first moved down here, yes. and he taught, taught one, I think it was titled Blessor or Blesser. And yes. I, I can't remember if he, he said, well, I don't know how if it's really pronounced, but I want to say Blessor. Yes. But we're, 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 we get blessed so that we can be a blessing to yes. others. That one even stand, stood out to me. Well, you hear that? On the, from this pulpit all the time. Exactly. And, and um, one last message I'll, I'll mention, I know we need to move on, but is one that um, Brother Vaughn Morton preached. He sent it to, I guess, some young preachers. It was just entitled, What Sayeth the Scripture? In there, he's mm -hmm. preaching just Bible doctrine. But he got on the new birth, and he's preaching John 3. Um, I guess it's actually verse 6, maybe 7. Um, you know, after verses 3 and 5 to Nicodemus, you must be born again, born of the water, born of the Spirit. But he says this statement. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And when he said that, I was, I was laying in my bed in my, my room. When he said, you must be born again, I am telling you, it was an epiphany. It was a moment of revelation like, like somebody would get the revelation of the oneness of God. I, I had the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized since I was six years old, and I believed it was the only way to be saved. But I am telling you, something was forged in my spirit, and I got up. And I rewound that tape, and I listened to it again, and he's preaching along, you must be born mm -hmm. again. That word must was as big as Dallas. That word must, I'm going to tell you. Anyway, I'll never forget that message. And uh, you wake me up in the middle of the night and ask me how you got to be saved, I'm going to tell you, you <laughs> must you know, be born again. <laughs> I think you were, I think I told you this that there was a meeting and some young aspiring um, preacher, and there was a new convert there, and I was kind of a new convert. He was old at the time. I was in my mid thirties, I guess, sure. um, but I hadn't been in church long. And I remember sitting at this luncheon after the meeting, and the the young guy had said, "Hey, look what scripture I found." He got a revelation of something, and he was all excited. And this young preacher said. Hey, dude, that ain't new. Everything that's been in that book has been preached. There ain't nothing new coming out, you know. And I sat there, and I was a new convert, and I'm, you know how new converts are. I was real excited, but I'm telling you, um, I'm amazed that that it, you know you've been in church now forty years or so. Um, that the the new messages that I've never heard before just the scripture you read something and just like you said something just jumps out and just yeah. I'm just amazed I mean who knows there's probably some great messages that like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Jeremiah we don't know about that are coming yes. down the road or something I'm just amazed at how, how the the word of God is just alive I heard my my dad I think it was my dad or was it was an older minister he said he said you anyway somebody sometimes people will bring something to you maybe a young minister or whatever, he said, act like you've never heard it in your life. Look at them with wonder in your eyes because it is wonderful. And, and it's new to them. And like you said, the, Bible, the Bible's fresh. It's always fresh. There's, you can read a scripture 50 times, and, mm -hmm. and that 51st time, it'll just explode. Yeah, the beauty of the word. Okay, this, this next question I don't know, might be a, a leading question, but can you name a few pe preachers that are over six foot five that have influenced your ministry? <laughs> Let me think here. Is Shaquille O'Neal a preacher? Now, <laughs> He's over six. Okay, so now I don't. You don't even have to go through because I don't want you to offend anybody. Uh, but there, there are definitely some preachers that I just, you know. Uh, I want to say one, Brother Odom. I love Brother yes. Odom, and and just this style. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we're and every preacher we get through here is great. And we got some, even some of the young youth on youth nights or teenagers that get up there. I, I'm blessed by it, you know. Um, but so I don't want to, you know, start throwing out a bunch of names. You don't have to either. But if there's, if you sure. feel, are there a couple that I mean, could just be the personally, just your family, whatever. Sure. Just absolutely. Well. Um, I, obviously, my my father, um, and he's over six five, by the way. <laughs> um, six I've seven, isn't he? He's six six. Six six. Okay, yeah, six six. Um, the greatest Christian I know is my father, and uh, I have seen him in at his most transparent, 
I've seen him when there was no reason for him to posture and uh, a genuine Christian. Um, uh, gifted with wisdom. I, I've seen him sitting in meetings dealing with problems so convoluted. I'm going to tell you, there's problems that are convoluted. You know, just, just so many aspects to it. And literally the gift of wisdom being in operation. Like, you mm-hmm. just start talking. Mm-hmm. And it's like one knot at a time gets untied. And you get done and you're like, I cannot believe this just happened. Mm-hmm. And the only thing to describe, it's, it's, it's not human wisdom. It's God's wisdom. It's, a, it's the gift of wisdom from 1 Corinthians, I, I have no doubt. Um, when I think of my dad, I think of balance. I think of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my, in fact, some of my very earliest memories, I remember my dad laying in the floor. Um, I was three or four years old. I have early memories. I really do. Um, and, and I'm able to track that I really was that old <laughs> by verifying the dates with my parents. Even two, um, I remember some stuff with my dad. But at three years old, I remember him laying in the floor of that little church in Miami, Oklahoma, um, and weeping and crying and praying, and it marking me as a little boy. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. Um, he's a man of the word, fasting, a man of fasting. What a lot of people don't know about Larry Booker is that man fasts. I mean, long mm-hmm. fasts, weeks mm-hmm. of just water fasting. And uh, he's a preacher extraordinaire. He's a great father and husband. So that would be the top of the list. Um, <laughs> let me, let me yeah. okay, I want to tell a story. So my sure. wife and I had just gotten here yep. and it uh, wasn't much longer. And um, her grandmother died and she wasn't apostolic Pentecostal. We were first in our families that, that got into this. Yes. Um, but I remember sitting in his office and I just was mesmerized, just watching him. My wife is in tears. She's broken up. And I it, and I'm watching your, your, your father and, and he's sitting there. He's picking stuff up off the desk and he's, he's kind of just real calm and just, yeah. just like you said, balanced. Yeah. She's crying her face is down <laughs> and he's just so calmed I'm, I'm just like staring at him just watching him. <laughs> and and he's like well sister norma yes. you, and he and he just the way he calmed and just brought peace in the situation and just the scriptures he brought out right. you know and i think he talked about paul and outside the circle or you know yes. we judged you know because that's that was the thing this woman was a godly woman yeah. and norma's like is she gonna make it or not because here we are we're, we're pretty much new converts sure. and like and you say, well, let, you know, God's going to take care of it. Just, yeah. you know, you can't. Them that are without, God yeah. will judge. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, but anyway, but just his mannerism was just, and I've just yes. grown to appreciate that over the years. Oh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and some, some others, I, 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 the bad part about start naming, I'm going to forget, but mm-hmm. there, there are some that I, I just would be wrong not to mention. And, and um, um, I, one of the, I mentioned Randy Keys. I, I, I'm just the, the the gift of faith. He'd start preaching, and in seconds, the faith would be at a fever pitch. And it wasn't emotion. I'm telling you, it was like, <laughs> bring me the gnarliest leper here. We're going to see him healed right now. <laughs> wow. Bring me. It, it, it was that kind of thing. And uh, I just thank God for His voice. I thank God for. Um, I mentioned Von Morton, Gary Howard. Um, uh, Brother uh, Nathan Hurst was very instrumental in my life, um, especially as a young preacher. In fact, I talked about God confirming my call. There was a moment, uh, without going into it, um, but he, we, he was holding a, uh, preaching some services in a Rio Grande. Again, I was my early, uh, my late teens, and uh, God just used him very specifically to confirm my call to preach. And uh, so, these are these are a few of many that uh, had a great impact on my life. Nate Wilson's another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how many times as I'm preaching, I'm thinking oh, I heard that from Nate Wilson. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. awesome. Okay, how about how about well, let's go into pastoral uh, things right now. Sure. <clears throat> so. We're living in a crazy world uh, right now. So, w- what are some of the biggest challenges? Because uh, you, 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 your dad. I, I remember w- this is one. Of, I'm gonna go back. I, I love your father so much. Sure. Um, go. I remember the first year we were here. I don't think he ever missed a service 
but he was gone probably almost every week. Right. And I, I thought about, I didn't think about that until like a year or two later yeah. that he'd be off preaching seminars, camp meetings, whatever. But he was here like every Sunday. I don't think he missed it. Now he's gone all the time. I can't remember what he looked like. Just, <laughs> just, just easy now. Hey, he drove but, back in today. He did, yes. um, but he, he was, I think he just felt that he needed to be here, you know, because yeah. this is, we're here, but he don't, you guys only been here like th- a few months officially, you right. know. So that first year, I think it was just, he felt, I think he needed to be here. But anyway, I look back, I go, wow, he, he was always here. Um, but, um, uh, Young young pastors today in the world and whatever. What are some of the challenges or just you know because you're you're so he's off mentoring and, and he's still doing that now and you're probably doing that too. But uh, what do you tell young preachers to to do? I, I mean I'll, I'll think of one story if you don't touch on it that he that, he, that I always bring it almost breaks me want to cry when I think about it. Just some advice and wisdom. But what do you, what kind of advice and and stuff do you give to young people? Sure, sure. Well, it's it is an interesting interesting world that we're living in to say the least and i remember something i'd hear my dad often say um when i was very young in the ministry is that joel you and your generation are going to see things that i never dreamed of uh, that i've never had to deal with and um and it's already coming to pass we're 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 there and so i i guess here's a few things i don't know um, I don't know that they're in, in, in order of importance, but one of them is there really is a pressure on ministry today. I don't even like this word necessarily, but to, to be relevant. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's, it's um, our culture and our society. There's so much pressure for ministry to, to fit the culture. And that has never been... Um, the biblical worldview. That's not the paradigm of the Bible. In fact, it's the opposite. We don't fit culture. We are to open our mouths and preach God's kingdom into the world until culture is impacted. And so um, the pressure on young men to just keep your mouth shut about certain things. Hmm. And that doesn't mean anybody should be ignorant or a smart aleck or wade into sensitive subjects without being thoughtful, anointed, and prayerful, mm-hmm. and may, and just maybe most importantly, biblically based. But there is a mandate to open your mouth and preach. And uh, in areas, I'll just be areas of, of marriage and, and of uh, morality and Bible um, views of, of, of truth, of, of, of what it means to be a man and a woman, it's, it's, it's time for us to kindly, gently, but biblically speak. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a pressure. There's a pressure. And, uh, and and the answer is not to just explode in, under the pressure and to shoot off your mouth, but it's to, to study your Bible and to present in a very biblical way what the Bible has to say. Mm-hmm. And so that's one. Another one is just I, I encourage other young ministers of my generation, don't get distracted. What's, where are we here anyway? What's this all about? I am first and foremost here as a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are to bring God's kingdom to the earth. That's how Jesus prayed or said to pray. He said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And uh, I am first a Christian. I'm first an apostolic and then I'm an American. I love the United States, but before anything else, I'm I'm... I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and I don't want to get distracted by the politics. I am, I am not a Republican first. I am not a Democrat first. I am not an independent first. I am an apostolic, one God, Jesus' name, citizen of another country. In Acts 7, uh, it's not Acts 17. It's, it's either 11 or 13. I want to say it's Acts 11, but it's the passage where it talks about the church in Antioch. And it says they were first called Christians at Antioch. Mm. And I know it's saying in, in chronology, it was the first time. They are, these are Christ-like people. But I don't think it's unfair to say that they were um, in primacy, in importance, the first thing that they were called was Christians. In other words, before they were a, a parent, they were a Christian. Before they were a husband or a father, they were a Christian. 
And I want it to be, and, and I would encourage other apostolic preachers, the first thing you need to be is, is, is be a child of God, an apostolic. Mm. It, this, ain't, this ain't about, we're not here to defend, um, I, I, I'm going to be a good American and a good voting American, and I'm going to live, but, but I am not placed here on earth, number one, uh, for that. My number one goal is to bring God's kingdom down to earth and to see people saved and have apostolic revival. So that's just a couple things that occur mm. to me. Um, because there's a lot of pressure in that area right now to yeah. get distracted, to try to be relevant. Mm-hmm. It's time just to be well, who we are and have revival till Jesus comes. You know, kind of, oh, um, go well, ahead, it just, it just kind of reminded me when, Pastor, when you were talking about that first part, uh, the other day we were, me and my kids were, we went out to Van Nuys. I had to go pick up something mm-hmm. and uh, like North Hollywood area and stuff. And, you know, we just seen all these churches with different different things on the churches sure. and and I was just telling my kids I'm like these you can tell that these churches are kind of they they allowed the the culture they're caving to society in, yeah like yeah. In, in influence them instead of them influencing sure so the, the the community around them and I they were just like well I don't I don't know what you're talking about but I, I mean Hopefully they do one day, and I did kind of explain more, but yeah, it just kind of brought brought to my mind when you said that. I was just like, you, yeah. When you read in the in the scriptures, and this is not especially profound, but it's so true, Christianity has always been confrontational. Now it's defined by love. I didn't I didn't say it's it's def, um, that it's been you know self righteous or unkind, but when Jesus came. He exploded into that society preaching. When John the Baptist came, he exploded into society preaching repentance. Why would it change as we move into the latter days you know, of the end time? God's church is going to be more and more confrontational. That doesn't mean that we de- we're designed, you know, that we're out trying to cause that. It just means we stick with the book and very kindly. In fact, I think it's there's no need to in fact we're doing god a disservice if we have an attitude about it that's not right it'd be kind of like tying dynamite to a nuclear uh, icbm you don't need it it's redundant you don't your attitude is doing nothing except interfere with the power of god the gospel the gospel is the most explosive powerful beautiful thing in the world and yet sometimes people are just trying to shove it in a corner and they forget young pastors why are we even here mm-hmm. we're not here to see how big a club we can form well uh kind of uh the, the opposite of that letting this, the pendulum swing the other way mm-hmm. um is, is the advice that i can remember your, your father saying about maybe you need to pastor a while don't you know be a little yes. patient pastor a while before you make that hard yes. stance and i think he had he tells the story of a young preacher saying, well, we're not going to have Christmas in this church. We're not going to do that. Nobody's, we're not yes. even going to talk about it. Yes. And then when, and then they tell you the story when, you know, and I sit here and I get choked up thinking about it, you know, because I look at my life and whatever, um, is, okay, how are you going to, the wisdom of your dad? I don't know if you, you know oh, the story. Yeah. You, if you want to tell it, go ahead and tell it. Well, it was, it was actually, I, I was there. <laughs> oh, the okay. And uh, there was a, a young man that was, Actually, he he had he had made this. Uh, he'd got a hold of a book that was anti-Christmas. <laughs> well, if you know the Bookers, we are like the biggest proponents of Christmas in the world. I'm just telling you, we <laughs> we uh, we got my mom's house is decorated like I don't know Disneyland <laughs> at Christmas. It's unbelievable. Everything with the fireworks, and it's just because she can't get them in the house. It's a big deal. Well, so so this young man was was doing that. My dad said, "I have a piece of advice." He said, "You're not married yet." Nope. No kids, right? Nope. I would wait till I officially formulate that as a doctrine until you're married and certainly until you have kids. And uh, he said, because it's easy to get yourself stuck in a corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're looking at these little kids that want Christmas and you're think, trying to explain to them some weird doctrine you put together. And that's no offense to anybody that mm-hmm. has that. And... Uh, it was interesting because I was around long enough to see the man get married and have kids, and uh, and my dad tells this one day that for the school, his kids were in the Christian school and they were doing some uh, 
they had to write an essay about their parents and one the little girl was writing about how much she loved her mom and dad and how that uh, dad had brought a a Christmas tree home, and they were just so excited to have Christmas, you know. <laughs> My dad said, how the mighty have fallen, you know. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's wisdom in that, you know, uh, waiting until, uh, taking that a little bit further, some advice was given my dad that has passed down to me and to this, through this church is, don't jump on every bandwagon that comes along. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's doctrinally, that's standards, that's holiness. Uh, be very sure of, of what you know and believe. And even addressing subjects of technology, which is so, uh, it's constantly evolving and moving. Yeah. You, you may make a stance to where six months from then you're like, oops, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta be, you stick with the book. And uh, some advice that somebody else told me one time, Brother Nathan Morton also told me this. He said, when you do something like that, be number one, biblically and intellectually uh, honest. You want to be biblically honest and intellectually honest, where you can formulate it and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, back to what you said. Absolutely, um, I've heard. You know, I would say this as well. Every pastor ought to evangelize. Every evangelist ought to pastor. I guess you got to start somewhere, but um, before you, you you dive in to make some kind of stance that you may regret down the road. Yeah. So to continue, the point was. What are you going to tell that new convert who gets in church in November, who spent every paycheck he's had on drugs and alcohol, if he even got a paycheck, but just abusing his kids? But now all of a sudden he's in church. He's yes. so excited about Christmas. This is going to be their first Christmas. They actually get a present. Yes. And I'm sorry, we don't allow that here. I mean, how are you going to tell the, yes. the guy that? So yes. that was the part that really stuck I forgot out. about that. That was excellent. All right. So one, one, one thing that uh, um, we're just going to kind of go off on a couple other things here. Um, what makes a person ten years from now, or is what the 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 books you read, the people you meet, and somebody said the, that, and the places you go, places you go. And so we're just curious. What are some uh, good books you've read lately? Anything that any good outside the Bible, of course, sure. um, that that you either recommend or right. Uh, beside my bed right now, I've got a couple. Um, I've been reading on for a while. One is I Claudius. I think it's Robert Graves wrote it. It's it's essentially uh, uh, dealing with the Emperor Claudius, and uh, it it's like historical. It's historical, but it's historical fiction, and it's it's supposed to be him writing an autobiography, and it's it's excellent. That's one that's good. Um, I have a, another book by my bed called Fooling Houdini, and it's 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 just a fun read. It's it deals with uh, magicians and and con artists and. And uh, so that's just kind of fun. I don't advocate for the <laughs> principles of it, but it's good. Um, Dennis Prager's book. I don't know if you have you read the looked at the Rational Bible, he, Genesis and Exodus. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Leviticus is out yet, but they're fantastic. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. them a lot. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, one other, um, just for fun reading. This is not uh, deep or profound, but uh, for fun reading is is. Um, a friend of mine, Brother Wells, Zach Wells, introduced me to an author called Joseph Lincoln. He's just an old out-of-print writer, but I really enjoy him. And I, 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 I mentioned it to my mom because they're, they're out of print, hard to find. I said, have you heard of him? And if you know anything about my mom, she has thousands of books in her library. She said, let me check. And she came back in a few minutes with nine of them. So, wow. Uh, yeah, wow. So I got those. <laughs> and okay. I've been enjoying those. Well, good, good. All right. How about... How about um, if you don't mind, what, what, I know you're busy. I mean, we'll come into church, and then I'll look up at the platform, and, oh, pastor's not here. And then he's in Tennessee or somewhere around the world. Who, who knows? I know you're busy, but what do you do for fun, hobbies, anything? There you go. Yeah. Um, I don't fish. <laughs> I think the, the last— uh, I've been telling you we're going to take you fishing. I, yeah. I, I took your boys once. Yes. Um, I'd like to really try to get up there and do that again. Well, I want to go with, with you and your wife. Because you know how to fish. <laughs> I went with Brother Danny, and yeah. I went with you, come to think yeah, of it. Yeah, we did go. Yeah, we, we did good yeah, we <laughs> years did. ago. Went to Alaska. Um, but as far as, I mean, I, I, I've, I began to hunt some just mm. because I have boys that age. And, uh, you know, a, little, a while back I realized you better learn. Honestly, I'm boring. My hobby <laughs> is reading. Yeah, okay. I read, and and then really, um, I guess time with family. So, but my downtime mm-hmm. when I every night when I go to bed, I'm reading a book. When I go to sleep, mm-hmm. I 
any time that I have, obviously time um, is precious and it's harder to, you know, pick up a book and read it from start to end anymore. That just doesn't happen. But uh, I love to read. I was surrounded by books growing up. Again, if you go to my parents' house, thousands of books. Well, I, I've adopted that and we trying to fill up our house with books. My garage is full. So <laughs> okay. reading, I guess, would be the answer to that. All right. That's good. Okay, uh, how about this? Now, this is more, Danny, I think I put this in here because, you know, I, I when I got in church, it was up in Merced with Elder Bill Yandris and yes. uh, Brother Sam Emery was doing majority of the preaching and Elder Bill did Bible studies in the morning. Um, but one thing that actually Brother Sam Emery said was... Um, he got, kind of got on the congregation about wearing the pastor out or something. And I never, you know, I, I, I took that, you know, to heart as a young new convert. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be a burden. I want to be, and I, I remember one time, and I felt good. I think your dad, he introduced me to somebody one time. He said, this is Brother Bob Lee. He's low maintenance. <laughs> and I took that as a compliment, yes. you know. And uh, yes. I thought, okay, I like that, you know. Yes. Um, but what what can we do as saints, or what do you appreciate in saints that, that help make your job easier? Sure. Well, that's, that's a great question. And first of all, I, 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 I say this completely from the heart. Our, um, in the Lighthouse Church, Rialto makes it easy. To pastor, and uh, I mean, there's there's problems like everywhere, but that's if there wasn't, what, what's the point of having a pastor? By the way, <laughs> so um, and it, it just just very 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 easy, and I thank God for in the lighthouse. Um, couple things that um, I, I want to say. That's a good question. Is the the the, the philosophy I have of pastoring, and this is just. Number one, I'm, I'm here for people. If I'm not, then what am I doing? I read a book on servant leadership a long time ago, and they were, they were, they were talking about, you know, sometimes frustration with people. You feel like the, those that are following you are not as perceptive or, or whatever. But they made the statement, if, if you don't see further than your followers, and again, this may not be a perfect analogy, but if you don't see further than those following you, why would they follow you? So there ought to be some understanding that, you know, that, that that's why we're here. We are here to serve. We being ministry. That's, that's why God created, you know, created the office. At the same time, I do believe you're exactly right. Thank God for saints that have a revelation that there is limited time in the day. And I've done, I've done it for our church before. If you do the math, mm -hmm. Um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 160 hours a week, times, you know, 60 minutes in an hour, and divide it by the number of families in the church. Um, it doesn't take very long to realize if I was to meet with everybody five minutes a day, it just ain't happening. Mm -hmm. It's not wow. happening. And so um, I'm thankful again, is what I'm saying, for, for saints that that realize that ultimately it's not the pastor's job to figure out life for them. It's God's. Right. <laughs> they take God by the hand. But there are some practical things I would say. Number one, and it probably shouldn't surprise you, is, is I, I, if I can see saints that consistently pray, hmm. that makes my job so much easier. I heard Brother Joel Holmes say this. He said, because um, he pastors a very large church and God has been kind to us here at Rialto, there's, you know, it's a growing congregation and you want, you start wondering, you know, how many can you effectively pastor? Is there a limit? And Brother Holmes, pastoring a very large church, prayed that one day, something like, God, how, you know, how many can I pastor? And God spoke to him something along these lines. You can pastor as many as you can get to pray. Wow. <laughs> it's profound. Ever since I heard that, I thought, well, okay. So if I can get 500 to pray, we're fine. If I can get 2,000 to pray, we can pastor 2,000. If we can get 10,000, 20,000, whatever God wants to do, my goal is to get them to pray. So um, if saints are listening, and I pray you are, you want to make my job easier, my wife's job easier, Bishop and, and my mom's job easier, just continue to be a praying church. Secondly, I have found that soul-winning people are low-maintenance people. It's interesting, my dad would call you low maintenance, but Lee, you're a soul winner. 
And uh, it's easy to pastor people that know why they're even here. We're here to win souls. That's what wow. the that's yeah. the purpose. That's the the reason. That's the goal of the church. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a lot more, but prayer and soul winning. Uh, that I would encourage saints to do, making the ministry's job easier. Well, I, I like the fact that um, um, if people have initiative, as long as it's nothing, you know, it, we got a very sensible church and we do a lot of fun, neat stuff, but people do a lot of creative things here. Yes. And, and I remember your dad saying saying something like, I'm behind anything if you got the legs behind it or something yeah, like that. Good. And, uh, you know, and because we realize that, you know, and there's a lot of people that are doing so much stuff that you can't, just like, well, um, Moses and Jethro and some, yes. you know, you, could, you can't do it all. If you try to, you're going to wear you out. So I, I know I text you a lot. A lot of times like I send you goofy things. Oh, and, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, but I try not to be a, a burden and whatever. But uh, you but, know what yeah. you just said there is that's profound. That allowing saints uh, their creative, the, the, the creative power of God that God puts in them just to express themselves. Sometimes ministry, I think, can stifle that by thinking they got to be in control of everything, making every decision, every every aspect of vision has to emanate from them. And what you're really doing is just shrinking the scope of the church. Really, it makes it easier on the ministry to just uh, let it move. Uh, I Acts 2 and 17, it says that when people would receive the Holy Ghost, they would become prophetic. Hmm. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What that means is that that spirit of God would move on every member of the church. Obviously, there's roles, and there's there's a pastoral evangelist, apostles, prophets, Teachers, they are, there's, there's, there's roles in the church, but there's a lot of, I think sometimes we make our job harder by trying to control everything. And when we just let God work and let God do and the saints be what they're supposed to be, our job is easier. So oh, That's good. Well, we're going to wind down here pretty quick. I, I got some final thoughts here, and I, I'm going to go totally off off script here. Let's hear it. And uh, <laughs> once you get nervous, it's not like I got a can of flammable liquid and a lighter here, Chase. <laughs> but don't so learn what th- that means. Don't, don't get nervous. Um, but okay, we're not going to. Okay, this, I'm going to th- actually. This is going to be such a softball question. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to think you're President Biden or something. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, poli- with politics that's going on now, COVID. Crazy stuff in public schools and current events, a lot of crazy stuff. Okay. Um, This is a leading question. You know, none of this is catching God off guard. He's not surprised, as it was in the days of Noah. And you got all this, you know. Um, but what are your, what's some words of encouragement that you have for people nowadays? And, and uh, maybe I'll throw out a couple words. Fear versus peace. Yes. That should be hot, hot off your mind right there. So there's the softball I'm throwing up for you right there. But just what, what, what do you this, we're in a crazy world right now. Absolutely. What can you tell people to just just yes. take a deep breath and just, you know, hey, we're going to make it. It's, it you know, I, yeah. What do you got to say about that? Well, he, he, what Brother Lee was referencing right there Wednesday night talking about the peace of God. One of the points that I made that I think I think it's becoming evident the divide between the church and the world is becoming so dramatic. Keep, keep your thought, but yep. I, I leaned over and, and talked to my wife when you're when you're saying that. Is think of the 20s and 30s. Yes, I mean you you could probably walk down the street and whether a person was going to church or not, the women men they probably looked no different Very than each other. Clothing, everything was the, was the same, but it's definitely. Uh, right. But I, I leaned over and said, "Wow, think of you look at old pictures, you know, black mm-hmm. and white pictures." And, exactly. and you look at them, but okay, go ahead. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And, and so for, and then for decades as, as I don't know, the 50s, 60s and so on, that began to change in the divide between the church and the world and holiness became evident. Well, I think we're reaching another tipping point where the division between the church and the world is so dramatic. And that is the area you just mentioned between a world that's in stark raving fear and a church that if it's doing it right, while concerned and 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 and, and aware, is a is a church that's that's full of peace, the peace of God that passes understanding. And so I think the divide is going to be so dramatic between a church that just lives in peace. We're going to be on the job, and people are going to be like, "There's just something different about you." 
used to be because you dress different. Now it's because you're not twitching. <laughs> you're not mm -hmm. terrified. You're, you're, you're living life to its fullness and you have a confidence about you. And, and I would, I would, here's some words of encouragement. I, I heard, I was with in a, um, in a minister's deal down in San Diego. Brother Steve Buxton was there. We were sitting around and he made a statement that on the surface may not be especially startling or profound, but I'm telling you when he said it, I, I felt like it was a word from God. I think it was a word for God for me, but I'm, I think it's a word for from God for ministers and pastors that pastor in places like California. And I, in fact, even texted a couple of friends about it, pastor friends. And he, what he said was this. He said, California this last year has been especially hard hit, at least uh, with the, the pressure of, 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 of COVID, but really the reaction to it and the, the political environment. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know where you've been living, okay? And, and there's just a pressure to pastor here, a pressure to live for God here, a pressure to go to church here. And I know it's not unique to California, but um, there's, there's a few hot spots like this, east and west coast pretty much. And this is the statement Brother Buxton said. He said, I believe that in direct proportion to the spiritual pressure will be the revival of those areas. That means I firmly believe. And when he said it, I felt something quicken in my spirit. We are poised for apostolic Holy Ghost revival and in gathering. I felt it. I know it. And I'm preaching and proclaiming it. It's revival time. I'm sure it's revival time for some of you that have been blessed in the South or whatever and didn't have the pressure we did. But I'm telling you, I'm blessed. I'd rather live in Rialto and pastor in Rialto than anywhere in the world. It's revival time. And so I just encourage you, get ready. Maybe there's been pressure, but God, it's interesting how God boomerangs things. He, what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. And so it's time for God's church to arise, live in strength, live in peace, and see what God will do. You know, I'm excited. Danny and I, Danny, you can chime in. Mm -hmm. But uh, we've been having these conversations in our Sunday schools. We teach Sunday school together, and... and um, you know, there's been challenges with COVID and the kids, the buses, and trying to navigate, you know, um, concerns that people have out there. But I got to tell you, I think our Sunday school department has gotten so much better, yeah. you know, during this time. It's, it's, we've, that's, just accelerated, I think, and and blossomed. I, I don't know. I feel. I, I'm yes. not. I, I don't mean. To, I, not. I'm not saying me. I, I told Philip the other day. I love just sitting there watching all the other young teachers and stuff do their lessons and whatever. So I'm not saying me, you know, personally, but just our group has just really gelled and just really excelled. I, yeah, I even thought, even yeah. the new ones that the new mm -hmm. teachers that are coming in, the younger ones, <laughs> like my daughter Sarah. She's yes. she's yeah, awesome. You know, trying to. <laughs> find her flow into it too and it's just like easy you know and, and it's just god doing it and and allowing it to grow you know that's I don't, I don't know it's just really neat yeah you, it's just getting better brother danny mm -hmm. brother lee i you're absolutely right there is no question our sunday school has flourished in this and uh what what you guys have done and what's being done and uh, in being a blessing to sunday schools all across um america that's how God's kingdom is, though. It, mm -hmm. it operates under pressure. There's a yeah. cool verse, Acts 8. It's, 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 it's right prior. It's on the heels of the first martyr of the church, Stephen, and right prior to the conversion of the ultimate uh, martyr producer, uh, the, the apostle Paul, Saul, before he's converted. Acts 8 and 1 says the church, when the pressure came down, they, they were scattered yeah. abroad. They, 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 they were spread out from Jerusalem except the apostles. And it's, and it's just kind of like a, a forest fire that began with a small, and somebody's trying to stamp it out, but instead the sparks yeah. are. And uh, God's kingdom has always flourished under yeah. pressure. I don't like pressure, yeah, but it's necessary sometimes. Well, I, I don't, what's the, what's the phrase? Necessity breeds invention or something like that? Yeah. So same kind of concept, sure. you know, because there's a need and it just, you just yes. get creative and something else happens. Same thing with the pressure. And yeah, yes, sir. It's, it's been, ex it's, I mean, it, like I said, I almost feel guilty that I'm happy. I feel good right now. Yes. I, I'm excited. You know, there's some great things. And with some of the preaching and the prophecy and brother, like brother Mayo was just here yes. and just some neat things. And, uh, uh, 
I don't know. We'll it's see. a great day to be alive. Yeah. It's a great day. It's, it's victory time. It's revival time. Well, I think, Danny, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Pastor, any? Um, yeah, uh, how are you doing over there? We've been here a while. Actually, <laughs> got a question? We have, um, we have Bible quizzing finals coming up in the nationals here in the next two months. You, do you, and I know, you, Pastor, you're a big uh, advocate for Bible quizzing. Yes. Would you like to say anything to the Bible quizzing or quizzers or coaches that might be listening to encourage them? Sure, absolutely. I am a big proponent of Bible quizzing. I think it's uh, it's one of the greatest things out there um, in a lot of ways. So uh, I would just encourage you, you're getting towards the kind of the, this is the hard part of the year. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls. A lot of times people quit during this time. It's when I quizzed, I remember this is the time I usually started kind of fizzling. <laughs> I just encourage you to keep studying. And uh, uh, I'm excited about the national tournament in Tulsa at peak. Yes, I think we're going to have an absolutely outstanding peak and national tournament. So. Um, really, just come on. You can do this. Um, you don't have much. You don't have very far to go. Yeah. I, I got a Bible quizzing story. I wasn't in it, obviously, uh, but my grandkids were. Yes. And uh, they were doing this many, many years ago. And we came out for a peak, and they were nationals and doing it. And I and I got to tell you, I, I mean, this is kind of a confession, I guess. Let's hear it. So we're sitting there, and uh, so they 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 were doing well, and they're in a match. And uh, I think the winner of that match, they're going to get guaranteed second or first or something, you know. And uh, they were up by 20, I think they were up 20, 25 points. Last question was a what, three part question, four part question or something like that, right? For, for 30 points, if right. I remember right. Mm -hmm. And he, I think they were juniors or whatever. But anyway. And I remember sitting back, and I'm nervous. I, oh, I'm telling yeah. you, I, I, my heart. I, I'm a competitive person, you know. and and uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, like, okay, they got, you know, and so they start to, okay, this is the quiz. This is a four-part question for thirty points in your scripture, and that was about all the person said. And then the other team buzzed in. And I, I got to tell, almost jumped up and hooted and hollered, <laughs> "We got it! Yeah!" You know, I was like so excited, and this I think it was a little girl. I don't know what team it was. She's she had to finish the question. If you know about quizzing and whatever and all the stuff, is, all the rules that they have are crazy to me. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so she had to finish. She started rattling off the question. And I'm sitting there. I went from just almost making a fool of myself, jumping up with a you know tambourine or something, <laughs> and she rattled it off. And then she started saying the answer, you're correct, or whatever yes. they say. And I sat there, and I, I almost said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I tell, this I was, is rigged. I, I was like, I, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. And they lost by like five points. They still didn't get in third or fourth place or something in the whole right. tournament, which was great. It was exciting. But I got to tell you, those tournaments get... Oh, yeah, honest, I, I can't go to them anymore. I don't have any family in there. But, he, I just, but watching our teams and our yes. kids, you know, my Sunday school kids, Danny's kids doing, I'm so proud. I told him, I'm so, you know, all these kids, it's you know, is, is incredible. So that's neat. That's wonderful. I look how I, ah, I wasted my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing pretty good. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm trying to make up for it. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor, um, for spending some time with us here in the studio uh, to get this podcast recorded. And Brother Lee, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I'm just excited. Again, sorry that it took so long to get you in the studio. We know you're busy, uh, busy, but uh, hopefully we'll be back and do this again sometime. Thank okay. you very much for your time. All right, and we want to thank Pastor again for being here at the studio with us. And uh, we'll see you on the next podcast.